In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, send your Spirit upon us here tonight in a new way. Send your Spirit, God. Breathe on us. We want to feel your love. We want to feel your power. We want to know your heart and your mind. We want to know your love for us and your care for us. We want to think your thoughts. We ask for your wisdom and your knowledge and your understanding, your counsel. We pray for more fortitude and piety and awe and wonder. We pray for more faith and hope and love. We pray that we could grow in friendship with you, Jesus. And tonight, in a particular way, we pray that the the cries of our hearts would be raised up, would be resurrected from the tombs of our hearts. If we have any buried cries, any desires that have been repressed, Lord, any healthy desires, God-given desires that have been buried or repressed, We pray, Lord, that tonight they would be raised up and filled with your light and your life. That they would be fulfilled, Jesus, here in your midst. Because we believe, Jesus, that you are really, truly, substantially present here. Body, blood, heart and soul and divinity the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, the resurrection and the life, faithful and true, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the bread of life, the bread of angels, the Son of God and the Son of Man, the Son of Mary. Jesus, we believe that you are the Lord of life and history. And we believe that history is your story and that we are now a part of your story. His story is our history. We've been incorporated, Jesus, into your story, into your life, into your love. We've been made citizens of heaven. Sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, our our citizenship is in heaven. And we are now members of your kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light. Jesus, we believe all of this to be true. Help us to experience it here tonight in a fresh way, in a more profound way. That will help us to live the resurrected life that you gave us, that you won for us by your victory over the grave in a fuller way, in a more complete way, with greater conviction, with greater hope, with greater trust. Mother Mary, we want to crown you the queen of our time here tonight with Jesus, your son, as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, 
Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome, everyone. I want to read from John's Gospel. This was the Gospel for today, for today's Mass. I thought that would be a good place to start here. Mary Magdalene stayed outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she bent over into the tomb and saw two angels in white sitting there, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken my Lord, and I don't know where they laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus there, but did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I am going to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and then reported what he had told her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this whole week, we celebrate Easter in a very particular way. It's the octave of Easter, we call it. So every day is like Easter day, in a sense, because it's such an important celebration. It's such an an important event. (laughs) After the birth of Jesus, it's the most important event in the history of the world. And so... The church wants us to celebrate it all week because it's so rich. There's so much to be gained by reflecting on these scriptures and asking for these graces that Jesus wants to grant all of us through the church, through the celebration of these liturgies, reflecting on these words, the word of God. So the thing that's been on my heart regarding the resurrection in particular is that when Jesus rises from the dead, he's different. His resurrected body is different. It's glorified. And we could say that even tonight in the gospel, the fact that Mary Magdalene didn't recognize him speaks to that to some degree. In tomorrow's gospel, it's the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't recognize Jesus either. So, not only was there something physically different about it, but he even had the power to walk through the locked doors. We'll read that this Sunday, Divine Mercy Sunday. He walks right through the locked doors where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And so it's glorified, it's resurrected, it has this new power about it. It's a new kind of existence 
And my point about highlighting that is that we too are, are called, in a sense, we're invited by Jesus to experience that for ourselves as Christians. Our lives as Christians should look different and, and feel different and sound different than non-Christians. And nothing against those who are not baptized. Nothing against those who do not believe. But by the virtue of our faith and our baptism, and by virtue of his resurrection from the dead, and his pouring out the Holy Spirit into our hearts, allowing us to cry out, Abba, Father, our lives have been changed definitively. Unfortunately, I think most of us just kind of grew up as, as Catholics, as cultural Catholics, and it's just kind of what we do. We go to Mass, and we celebrate Easter and Christmas, and we receive the sacraments, Holy Communion and Confirmation, and we get married in the church, maybe, you know, maybe not. And, and it doesn't really impact us the way that God himself intended it to impact us. God wants the lives of Christians to be transformed. He wants us to be leavened in society, to change, to transform all of society, to establish, in a sense, the kingdom of Christ, not in a political way, but in a spiritual way, in a loving way. And I think the church is ready to be awakened. There's been a lot of talk about a new Pentecost, about a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. So... I announced that there would be two different songs than the ones that played. I guess that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I think what happened is that it was on random instead of playing it straight. So it, it mixed it up a little bit, my playlist. But love those songs. Love those songs. And they cry out for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit, which is another way of crying out for new life and for love and peace and joy and wisdom and knowledge of God and his love to just come and renew the face of the earth, to come and renew our lives, to heal us and to transform us, and then to make us ministers of that grace and ambassadors, as St. Paul would say, ambassadors for Christ helping people reconcile with God through faith. So let's comment briefly, too, on, on how Jesus responds to Mary. It's a, little, it's a little shocking, perhaps, at first glance. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. So you can imagine, she was overjoyed, right? She was so passionately in love with Jesus. Her life, her life, what a great example. It says in the scriptures that Jesus cast out seven demons from her, from Mary Magdalene. 
So she experienced a radical transformation after meeting Jesus. And if you've watched The Chosen, you know, you can really appreciate that. How beautifully Jesus treats her and and how tender he is with her. How forgiving and understanding he is. And how she's just radically transformed by his love for her. And so she was not going to let anything stop her from going to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. And she was just so impulsive, she didn't even think about how she was going to roll away that big stone. (laughs) She didn't care. She just didn't care. She'd figure it out. So, of course, she's going to want to just hang on to Jesus with all her might. But Jesus... In in saying, stop holding on to me, I think he was already preparing her for the new kind of relationship that he was going to have with her and with all of his early disciples. Because after his ascension into heaven, body and soul into heaven, well, now they had to relate to him more by faith and through the sacraments, and through the word, just like we have to. Just like we have to. So it's true, they had some very personal and profound interactions with Jesus as he walked and lived in their midst. But then they had to, they had to evolve. Their relationship with Jesus had to evolve. And in a sense, they don't have anything over over you and I. Because they had to relate to him then, as you and I have to relate to him now. In a spirit of faith, through the sacraments, through his word. And so that had to be very hard, I'm sure. I often think as I reflect on that second glorious mystery, the ascension, as, as he was going into heaven, the apostles must have been like, now what are we going to do? <laughs> like Peter, this knucklehead, he's going to be our leader? How's this going to work? You know what I mean? Like, you got to think about that. But he did give them very explicit instructions. He said, go back into the city. Go back to the upper room. And pray with my mother and the other disciples. And that was the original novena from Ascension Thursday to Pentecost Sunday. So I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but they all had to pray for the Spirit. And they had already received it, but this outpouring of the Spirit on Pentecost was going to allow them to evangelize with courage, with boldness, with signs and wonders, with miracles. And it was going to give them the boldness they needed to proclaim the word, even in the face of persecution. But then they had to relate to him differently. They had to know that he was with them in their hearts that they were all temples of the Holy Spirit by virtue of their baptism, just like we are. They would go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, have that intimate contact 
that intimate contact, that communion with Jesus, that substantial communion and contact with Jesus through Holy Communion. So you can just imagine with, with what fervor they attended Mass. I often like to think of the Blessed Mother and how she would have received communion at the hands of Peter and then John when they lived together a little bit later on. For her, it would have been like a new Annunciation, a new Bethlehem, a new Calvary, a new resurrection. Because his whole life is here. The mystery, if you will, of his whole life is made present. He prolonged his presence. He prolonged his messianic presence, his salvific presence, his loving presence, his merciful presence in a miraculous way, in this wonderful way, in this mysterious way, through the Eucharist. So the whole of his life is made present. We can connect with him on all of those levels in a mystical kind of way. So then the takeaway from that is he can reach into any part of your life if his whole life is made present here. We can assume and deduce in a sense that he's able to connect with you on any level. Almighty God is able to, and not just able, but he's willing. He's willing to connect with you on any level. And then he wants to meet you where you're at and lift you up and raise you up. Especially where you're, where you're brokenhearted, where you're, where you're hurting. As I was alluding to in my opening prayer, where those Places in your heart have died, in a sense, where you've lost your voice, or there's been a desire of your heart that's been repressed, that's been buried. Well, Jesus wants to, to reach in there and lift you up and give you back your voice, in a sense. And even more than that, he wants to elevate it He wants to elevate our our hopes and our desires. As St. Paul said uh, in the second reading this past Sunday, Easter Sunday, St. Paul told us to, to think about what is above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Because your your life is now hidden with God in Christ. So it's like we have one foot here in time, and then we have another foot, so to speak, in heaven, in eternity. So he doesn't want us to worry about getting to heaven. We're already there. (laughs) We're already halfway there in a sense. We've already got our foot in the door. And so he wants us to experience more and more this resurrected, glorified life. 
So as we come forward tonight, let's ask Jesus to help raise up in us those parts of us that have been silenced, that have been repressed, that have been intimidated, forgotten, exiled, however you want to say it. And let's pray that we can be reunited with ourselves and with Christ and be given new life, new expression, new power. So let's pray together. Let's make some declarations together to kind of get the spirit flowing here in a corporate kind of way. And then I'll bring Jesus down to the kneeler there and you can come forward and and touch the humeral veil and have that face-to-face encounter with Jesus and allow him to touch you. He wants you to feel his love. He wants you to feel his presence. And we need to feel that. We need to feel loved. We need to feel chosen. We need to feel known and seen and understood. We all need that to thrive. We all need that to thrive. Because he doesn't want us just to survive. He wants us all to have that abundant life that he won for us. So let's pray. Just repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, I believe that God wants me to feel his love. In the name of Jesus, I believe that God sees me. In the name of Jesus, I believe that God knows me and loves me and wants me. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I am worthy of love because Jesus made me worthy. In the name of Jesus, I believe that God has a future and a hope in store for me. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I'm a child of God. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I'm a child of the light and a child of the day. In the name of Jesus, I believe that I am victorious in Christ Jesus who conquered death and rose victorious from the grave. Amen.